Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am the Chief Love Officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating and love coach and communication expert for women over 40 who want to attract and sustain a lasting, loving, healthy, epic relationship. We have a great show coming for you today, coming up today, and I'm going to be speaking with divorce mediator and divorce coach Ariana Jarrett about what divorce can teach you about dating smarter for better relationships. As a dating coach, it is my mission to help women over 40 recognize the qualities of a good man and learn the relationship skills that it takes to make love last. Most women who come to me for support are amazing mothers. They're successful in the workforce, but they have challenges in attracting the right men into their lives. And here's one of the mistakes that I notice that they make over and over again. If you grew up in the 60s like I did and have achieved a high level of success in your career, you probably are bringing that same competitive edge to dating. And I call it the the Tootsie Pop method of dating. This is based on my TEDx talk about dating with lots of hard layers around you. Um, And I see this happens a lot. People bring competitiveness. They bring a hardness. Um, it comes from sometimes from being hurt, from bringing your past pain into the next relationship. And so a lot of women don't even realize they're doing this. I didn't realize I was doing it, and uh, it's such an important thing to let those guards down, but not just let them down and not have any standards, obviously, but to let them down and to open up into into a softer place, which is such a feminine thing, and and bring to a relationship something that a man doesn't have. He has competitiveness and and you know arguing in work all day long for the most part. Most men. And so, you know, I really encourage women to bring their zest and their enthusiasm and their brains and your whole package, but really bring that softness and femininity. I have a passion about bringing bringing light to the mistakes that women make because we often don't see them. And so that's why I created a free guide that outlines the top three mistakes that midlife daters make. And I give you the turnarounds, the way to reverse the mistakes so that you can add, bring love into your life. So if you would like a copy of that, it's totally free. It's available on my website, lastfirstdate.com. You can sign up on my homepage or pretty much any page um, because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by audible.com. They are a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and when, wherever you like. You'll get a free book when you sign up for your free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now I'm going to introduce our guest, Ariana Jarrett. She is a divorce mediator and a certified divorce coach, and she focuses on shortening the traumatic process of divorce with a strategic approach towards prioritizing emotional and financial needs. 
she is very passionate about raising awareness of alternative paths to resolution in high-conflict relationships or divorces. Ariana has been featured in interviews for Fox News Radio, HuffPost Divorce, CNBC.com, and Parents.com, and her articles for YourTango.com have been syndicated on top sites such as ExoJane, PopSugar, and Yahoo Style. Welcome to the show, Ariana. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, nice to have you. We've been chatting on Facebook, and it's nice to hear your voice and nice to get to know you. Ah, so I am going to just put out there one thing that we did this week weekend that was pretty funny, that um, somebody had posted about um, this really funny post about Nobody reads posts or posts on Facebook, and so I'm, I, you know, I, I am putting my, a tutu on and rolling around in glitter and dressing up as a unicorn. I don't even remember, but it, anyway, it was for breast cancer <laughs> awareness. Anybody who commented was was tagged and said, "Now you have to post this onto your onto your Facebook wall." And you were one of the people who who commented, and you put it up on your wall. So can you tell us what happened when you did it? Well, what I loved about it was the post looked like a very casual, this is something I do in my free time. And I guess I didn't think about the fact that as a single mom, people do, it happens to be my weekend without my kids. And (laughs) so when I posted it, it sounded like, yeah, really, when my kids aren't here, I'm just letting you know, I wear a tutu and I put on a unicorn horn and roll around in glitter on my kitchen floor. And... (laughs) I expected, oh, come on, and oh, yeah, I've seen this on somebody else's, and there's no way, and maybe my parents would worry about me or something like that. And (laughs) the outcry of, like, support that people just were, go you, and that's so cool. And I got text messages from people, you know, like, from guys, like, flirting about it. And (laughs) I just thought, first of all, I'm not a big unicorn fan, but also I would never (laughs) – get glitter anywhere near my kitchen floor because that is never coming off. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with what anybody else does, but I thought it was really nice. And maybe people are a little bit afraid to speak out, but they purposefully said nice things. And people I haven't heard from in a decade. Oh, and I thought so that funny. that was really lovely. And it just goes to show yeah. to me, you know, if you, after your divorce, if you're willing to just be who you are and own it and be happy about it and proud of it, people are a lot easier on us than we were expecting them to be. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so true. I I think that authenticity is often what comes out after a divorce because often you suppress so much of who you are in a bad relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about Bruce Jenner, and I think, you know, maybe because his whole coming out as Caitlyn, you know, came out, the Vanity Fair came out over this weekend, and maybe in the light of that, the unicorn thing seemed totally fine. It was just like if he could become a woman, we can roll in glitter on the kitchen floor. I don't but know. it was the day before. But, but yeah, it true. did. It did. It was a nice, I felt like that was a nice follow-up. Like, yeah, I can be a unicorn. Yeah. He's a woman. She's a woman now. You know, and that was just yeah. done so beautifully. You know, yeah, it was. Out. It was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it takes courage to stand up and be who you are. So so let's talk about divorce, um, since we're here about talking about dating after divorce and what lessons we learn. And so you watch people going through divorce all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, 
So in your opinion, and this is something I've often wondered about, do you think that a lot of people give up on their marriages too quickly? No. You know what? That is a really common misperception. And when you are talking to somebody who's either never been married or who has had a successful marriage for a really long time, that's when I feel like you hear the, oh, you know, everybody just gives up too easily. But I would say that at least 95% of the couples and individuals I've worked with have tried couples counseling, sometimes for years. And if one person hasn't been willing to go to couples counseling, which is the case a lot of the times, the other person has usually gotten therapy for themselves or has continued to try. And I I really do believe that people take the responsibility of getting married seriously. I think what's more true is that people tend to stay and try harder for longer than is really healthy. Mm. So oh, I would why do I think people do that, that far more often. Why do I think that they stay mm-hmm. for so long? Mm-hmm. I I think people take it they take it seriously either from a religious standpoint or from having signed a contract or just an ethical this is something that you're supposed to do in your life and when you make this commitment it's supposed to matter and even if they don't love each other anymore or if they never did there's still a sense of I want the other person to be okay. And I think there's a certain fantasy that people have that at, at some point both of them will look at each other and have this epiphany, shared epiphany and both realize at the same time that they should be getting a divorce. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. Being the one who asked for the divorce is very hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of people try to convince the other person over a period of time so they can come to it together, and then they finally just reach a tipping point and can't handle it anymore. Yeah. I think also people stay out of fear. Um, People stay because of their kids. You know, you mentioned religion. It's not easy to get divorced. It's not like, There are so many reasons. uh, Yeah, there are so many Mm -hmm. reasons. I know for myself, financially, I was a little nervous about going out on my own because I was working in support of my husband, um, I was his co-writer, co-producer um, for TV shows and um, different things. He was a com- he's a comedian, um, and we had a television show together. I had a small business on my own, but it wasn't sustainable. So when I got divorced, I really started from scratch, from square one. Mm-hmm. And I never really thought twice about it. Once I made the decision, I knew I'd somehow figure out how to pay the bills. And I think... The other fear I had about my kids falling apart and needing the two-family home, two-parent home for emotional stability, they're doing so much better now than I ever mm-hmm. imagined. And I think it's so much has to do with how, what you do after divorce. And you can't control your ex's way of raising the children, but you can control how you show up and. I think often kids do better. They say, like, what took you so long? Uh, we got it, especially older kids. Or your kids were probably younger. How, it sounds like they were a little bit younger. How, how old They were, were almost four and almost nine when we separated. Yeah, so they, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this, it's been a couple of years Yeah, I mean, so to, for, your, yeah. to your first point, I think the financial issue is a big one, whether or not they can keep the house a big one. And mm-hmm. I don't 
try to make people feel falsely positive. You know, there most people are going to take a financial hit unless you're in the ultra wealthy. You're going to take a financial hit. I just I have not met anybody who doesn't feel that it was worth it. You know, I for sure mm-hmm. it's been a struggle to remake my life since we separated, but there is not one minute when I would do it any differently. And mm-hmm. you know, so I, I'll tell I missed my closet. I missed my closet a lot. <laughs> It's not worth it. You know, the one I have just out of the closet is just fine. Um, As far as the kids are concerned, yeah, I mean, I I really, you know, depending on the age, it's different. For my older one, it's been an easier transition because he experienced our marriage for longer and Mm -hmm. for sure had a sense. We never fought in front of him when we were married. Our fights always occurred when he was in bed. But I know that he felt it, and he probably mm-hmm. could hear it at night sometimes, and he know, he knew something wasn't right. And I really do believe that to an extent it was calming for him when we separated. And I talk with them a lot about our, you know, our family and the way this one's structured and other families and the way theirs are, and nobody has it right or wrong, everybody has their issues going on. And as long as I'm okay with it, then, you know, they're going to listen to how we're feeling. They, you know, they're looking mm-hmm. to us to guide how they should feel about it. So if we feel guilty and what we transmit to them is guilt and sadness and anger and all of these negative emotions about the divorce, they're going to breathe that in. And if we present things in a, hey, life isn't always the path you expected, and this is how I'm turning it around now, then they're learning resiliency. And there are so many wonderful lessons that they can gain. And I also, I really feel strongly about when you are still married and you're thinking about getting a divorce and your concern is your children and how they will be, I really believe that people need to think about the model they're setting for their kids And imagine if they're in the middle of an argument with their spouse, imagine that instead of you standing there, it's your child fast-forwarded into the future when they are married. And Mm -hmm. your child is now experiencing this marriage as their marriage. And how would you feel for your child? Would you be watching your child in your marriage as themselves and feel sad for them or scared for them? Would your heart be breaking for them, or are you happy for them because you think they have a good life? If you feel like this would be a horrible situation for your child to be in, then you need to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's hard for people to see it beyond their own experience, it, and it's mm-hmm. always good, I think, to try and adapt a different perspective if they can, if they can step into that. Um, that's a good point. I, I think that... Um, you know, one of the biggest fears that I see is is what's going to be the future for your children in terms of relationships. And I was driving my friend's boyfriend to the train yesterday, and I met him for the first time. And he's a psychiatrist, and he deals with couples and with children. And so we, of course, started talking about relationships and comparing what I do to what he does. And And he was talking about his own children, and his daughter is in a relationship with somebody he really is concerned about and he said I'm not sure how involved I should get and 
I don't know. What do you feel about that? Like in terms of what if you see, like what you just the scenario you're painting, what if you see your child does get into a relationship that you're really concerned about? How much involvement do you think a parent can have or should have? Well, I think that depends on the relationship with your child and the age of your child and mm-hmm. if you're living in the same area or not. I I know for sure that when I was married, it didn't matter what my parents would have said. I was going to do what I was going to do. What was important mm-hmm. was that I knew that they were going to support me either way and that if I chose to stay in a situation that they – it's not that they ever would have not – they didn't not approve, but they were worried for me. And, but I knew even if I chose to stay in a situation that was worrying them, that they weren't going to turn their back on me, that they would still be there no matter what I decided to do. And I think that that's really what children need from us, is they need to have been raised with a good sense of this is what I should and can expect from myself, it's, you know, what I'm watching my parents do. And that's why they need to see us stand up for not bully somebody and also not let ourselves be bullied. Mm-hmm. And then they need to know that you're there for them no matter what. And other than that, you know, I'm a big believer when you're talking with anybody and they're telling you about an issue, a problem that they're having, about asking for permission before you offer advice. Mm-hmm. So if if you say to them, are you telling, are you sharing this with me because you want me to just listen and hear you and be here for you, or are you sharing this with me because you want to know what I'm thinking about it? Yeah. And That's then if they give tip. you permission and they ask you, then by all means, don't hold back. Just let them know mm-hmm. that even if they don't follow your advice, that you're there. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point also that that you are there for them no matter what, that Mm -hmm. you're not there to judge them, you're there to to be there for them. And and I think that that really was the key to having a better relationship with my children all across the board because they don't always do things that are exactly according to how you wanted them to do things. And and they're going to get into relationships that are not always going to be great for them and they're going to try things that you may not support, but... It's it's really about having the openness, being open to them, making mistakes, falling down, picking themselves up again, and knowing that you're there to love them no matter what. But, yeah. So let's talk about dating because I don't want to run out of time. Um, and <laughs> I know we could talk about so many aspects of divorce. But So what do you think are the big takeaways that people can learn from divorce that they can apply to dating? I think that the really important thing is to sit back for a moment and look at what your role was in your marriage not lasting a lifetime and in and, and the divorce. Because even in the worst abusive situations, it's not that it was somehow your fault, but there was something that you were vulnerable to. And in order to not set yourself up for the same kind of a relationship the next time around, you really have to be willing to look at that. If you're just going to say, well, mm-hmm. that, you know, my ex is just a really bad person, so I don't have to change anything, you're going to still mm-hmm. be attracted to the same kind of person, and you're going to still behave in the same ways you behaved at the beginning of that relationship, and you're more likely than not going to end up. That's, what I believe, why the second marriage divorce rate is so high. 
Nobody, yeah, if you don't too. stop and look at what's changed, then you're going to have the same result the next time. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I, I also feel like I hear so many people who are in this age group and are dating online because that's pretty much, you know, the best, easiest way to do it these days, and just complaining about the kinds mm-hmm. of messages they get and the kinds of people who message. They're too young and they're too old and they're this and they're that. And I feel like you just got a second chance. Like we have an opportunity right now to find a really spectacular next stage of our life. This is just, mm-hmm. it's just fun. You know, it's not an interview process. It's not a job interview process. And I think so many people write their profiles and answer messages for the people who they're not looking for. So don't message mm-hmm. me if you're this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. Well, I don't want to talk to the people I don't want to have message me. I don't want to talk to the people I do. Yeah. You know, so I think that's another important thing, too. Yeah, and the then negativity, really, I, yeah, mm-hmm, go, go ahead. ahead, finish for you. I just want to say to that, that I belong to a few forums on Facebook for singles, and mm-hmm. I, I don't usually chime in because I don't want to get started because they're so closed off and so negative, and I feel like if mm-hmm. I start something, they're going to attack me. And they reposted my um, article from Good Men Project that I had um, that that went live on Saturday, and it was it was mm-hmm. an open letter to single men about online dating. And the comments from men were so negative, and the comments from women were like, "Listen to this woman; she knows what she's talking about." So finally, mm-hmm. I chimed in. I was like, "Hello, I'm the author. You know, here's what I meant." Um, but yeah, the the negativity, the assumptions that are made. The, um, you know, all men are this. I even, one of the comments on my article was like that, um, was like, you know, well, all women are, and I was like, well, if you're going to call all women anything, then it's your attitude that's a problem. And and I got a, I got an email today from a woman who said, do you think that age matters? Because someone set me up with someone who was three years younger, and I'm wondering if I should date <laughs> him. And I said, you know what? You know, stop overthinking this. It's not his age it's going to matter as much as his character. And, mm-hmm. you know, is he kind? Is he a person that you can talk to? Like, freaking three years. Like, really get over yourself. I, I really just right. told her to stop it. Just stop it, you know? Right, right. Sometimes you just need to be smacked around a little bit. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so what you were going to mention something else. Um, I'm blinking out right now. But, you know, I, I, that, that made me think of one of the articles I posted about not staying in a marriage for your kids, there was a man, there were all these wonderful, beautiful comments. Um, it was on Exo Jane from people who had been the children of divorce or children of unhappy marriages and were so happy when their parents divorced or who were you know, upset with their parents for having stayed together. And this one man chimed in and started just ripping on women and saying, if you want to get divorced, that's fine. But if you think any man is going to want to marry you, I speak for all men when I say, and then he kept saying, I speak for all men. And one <laughs> pretty amazing reader, yeah, one reader wrote back and she said, bro, I don't think any woman hearing that you not wanting to marry them is quite the um, detraction that you think that it is. <laughs> and I thought that was great because I really, I think that humor is just, 
so important. I really do. You know, I think that that's the only way that you can survive all of it. Mm -hmm. Hence the unicorn. Um, (laughs) Right. I think, uh, yeah, you have to be able to laugh at at life and laugh at the craziness and, Mm -hmm. and not take any of this too seriously. I think that's that's one of my biggest takeaways from the beginning of dating was I took it all so seriously and I took everything so personally and I placed so much on each person, so much hope and, and projection on each man who I had like a decent conversation with, I would be like married to him in my head. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was like I was coming from a place of such lack and scarcity and, you know, a need to connect so deeply and it took me a while to just kind of even out so you know and and like you know and I think people need to to know that you know dating is not about instant success it's not about like meeting the one and if you don't it's a total failure you know it's really it has to start with the the work you do on yourself and so I I love that you bring up that people need to take responsibility I mean I I, it took me a long time to say wow I contributed this to the marriage not working and this is what I can do better next time and Mm -hmm. you know that's that's what leads to better relationships and yeah I I remembered sorry go ahead no, no, I'm just saying modeling that for my children because when they saw me developing new skills and teaching those skills to my clients, like better communication skills and knowing what you want and being clear, walking away from what you don't want, it's, you know, I share some of that with my children because they're older um, so that they can do the same thing. Anyway, you mm-hmm. were you were going to say, what were you saying? Well, that, that brought me back to the point that I was thinking of, which was I, I a lot of people say when you start dating that you should sit down and make a list of everything that you want so that you have this really mm-hmm. kind of like the secret idea that you you really envision what you want and then it will come to you and for me I felt like well I thought I knew what I wanted and it obviously wasn't good for me so I'm going to make a list just in my head of what I will not tolerate again mm-hmm. and the worst really the only serious and the the worst relationship I had since my divorce was where I allowed those boundaries to be crossed. And the first thing I wouldn't mm-hmm. tolerate, I let it slide. And then the second mm-hmm. thing, I let it slide. And I did end up back a different person, different specific issues, but same basic problem in what drew me there. And I think what you're saying is so important. When you first come out of your marriage, it's so exciting to be paid attention to, that there is this tendency to over-romanticize the first person you meet and believe that you're in love. And it's really important mm-hmm. to take that time to sit back and say, is this the same attraction that I was having before? And, and just not rush things and give yourself the time. It's so hard mm-hmm. to do, but it's so important. It is, which is why I also hesitate in dating men who are fresh out of divorce or even widow, being widowed, I... I connected with somebody this week who's who was recently widowed and he didn't didn't tell me that right away but it was pretty obvious from the amount of information he was sharing about his wife and how sad it was and what a great relationship they had and then he mentioned that his daughters were coming home for the first time the whole family was going to be together for the first time since his wife died and I went oh my god mm-hmm. did this happen like oh, last week I mean it was like really kind of scary so we had our first phone call well actually we, we Skyped together Sunday night and 
he's sad, he's mourning, he's, he thinks he's ready, but he's not. And I don't need to tell him that, but I also don't need to date him. You know, right. I don't want to be the practice person. He's very sweet, he's got a great personality, but I know, I can sense it. So it's, again, that's, that's something that I won't tolerate is being involved with somebody who's not emotionally available. Um, you know, when you when you know what you don't want, um, usually the things that you do want come clear. And I will tell you that the, the man I was talking about before that I drove to the train, my friend's boyfriend, he's 77 and she's 60. And when she first told me, I was like really curious about this guy. And um, I had no idea what he was going to be like. And, oh, my God, he's amazing. And mm-hmm. she was open to a guy who was 17 years older, who's who's a fantastic man who loves her completely, and this is the best relationship she's ever had. And mm-hmm. that's another thing is people need to be open. Um, um, I wish we had so much more time. <laughs> we barely got started, but we unfortunately have to end. Um, tell us, tell tell our listeners how they can find you um, and. Uh, yeah, like your website, whatever you'd like to share. Great. So I have a new website, so there's not that much yet, but they can go there and find me. And it's arianajarrett.com, A-R-I-A-N-N-A-J-E-R-E-T.com. And they can also call me at 310-808-8047. And I'm on yourtango.com slash expert slash Ariana Jarrett to read my articles and find out more. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This was great. Thank you for having me. It was uh, fun. My pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for listening in today, and I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.